Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we share the story of Jennifer Blackman, a 35-year-old mom and business owner who went missing in December 2020. It's been three long months since Jennifer Blackman was last seen, and her case is still an active investigation. This is Jennifer's story. Jennifer's case was sent to me by someone who knows Jennifer well. She reached out to me on Facebook and asked if I could cover her case. Now, I have never heard of River Rouge, but it's a suburb of Detroit, and it's where Jennifer Blackman was living with her children in December 2020. Now, this week's episode is a little different because Jennifer just recently went missing, so it's very important that we share this story because we can help bring Jennifer home. So I want to really focus a lot on the details that we have regarding her disappearance. And remember, this is an ongoing investigation. And because of that, police are not releasing a lot of information about Jennifer's disappearance. So as you listen to this week's episode, keep in mind that her story is incomplete because the investigation is still ongoing. And because of that, this episode will be a little shorter than our usual episodes but it's just as important than any of our other stories. 2020 had been a really crazy year for pretty much everybody, but I think we can all remember how happy we were for it to be over. But the last month of 2020 would also be the month that Jennifer Blackman would leave to meet a client and never be seen again. In December, 2020, just three months ago, Jennifer Blackman was living in the Detroit suburb of River Road where she was living with her four children. And in a year that brought so much change, Jennifer's life had also changed. Jennifer and her children had recently moved into an apartment after she went through a divorce. But Jennifer appeared to be moving on and looking forward to a new year and a fresh start. Jennifer also is a business owner. She actually owns and runs two businesses, one of which is a mobile notary company. And even though 2020 was such a transformative year for so many of us, Jennifer, according to those who loved her most, was happy and would never, no matter what, leave her children voluntarily. 
On December 22nd, 2020, three days before Christmas, Jennifer had been having some car trouble. And this, of course, for someone running a mobile notary would be a hiccup. But fortunately for Jennifer, her oldest daughter had a car that she could use. So according to reports, Jennifer called her father and she asked him if he could fix her vehicle. Now, I saw a news report that said Jennifer went to her dad's house to drop off the vehicle, but it's not clear if that's what happened or if she just called him to ask him to come and fix the car, which to me seems more likely. So Jennifer borrows her daughter's car so that she could get to her appointments because she had a few business-related things that she needed to handle. And it was just a few days before the holidays, and I'm sure she wanted to kind of finish any outstanding business so that she could spend time with her kids and relax for the holiday. So at around 7.55 p.m., according to Jennifer's family, she left her home in her daughter's car. And when Jennifer left that evening, everything seemed fine. Sometime later that evening, though, Jennifer's family receives a call from one of the people that Jennifer was supposed to be meeting for business. And they tell her family that Jennifer did not show up for their appointment. And this is automatically concerning for Jennifer's family because, you know, as a business owner, showing up for clients is important. And the fact that Jennifer had just missed her appointment without reaching out to her client was not a good sign. So Jennifer's family starts to immediately call Jennifer's phone, you know, to see where she is. But their calls are going unanswered. So they decide to start looking for Jennifer. Um, They start, you know, calling people around and looking in places where she normally is. And I think that the sense of urgency that, like, immediately followed shows just how out of the ordinary this was for Jennifer. You know, in a lot of these cases, people don't always assume something is wrong in the hours that immediately follow someone not being heard from. So for Jennifer's family to almost immediately go searching for her told me how much this was not a part of her normal, you know, everyday routine or normal behavior for Jennifer. So the family searches in the places that, you know, Jennifer is known to go, but they're finding nothing, no sign of Jennifer. After not hearing from Jennifer, the unanswered calls, and the fact that no one has seen or heard from her since she left her home, her family goes to the River Road Police to file a missing persons report. Now, typically, the cops make you wait a certain amount of time before they will take a missing persons report about an adult, you know, of course, because it's not always clear what happened and if that person left voluntarily. So they usually make you wait, you know, somewhere between 48 and 72 hours. But we're not clear if that's what happened in this case. But we do know that a missing person case was open for Jennifer. And police began investigating what happened to this mother. But shortly after Jennifer vanished, her daughter's car, the one Jennifer had been driving, was located. And the location where the car was found would send up red flags for those who were closest to Jennifer. So Jennifer's daughter's car that she had borrowed because hers had broken down was discovered on a street in River Road where Jennifer's ex-husband lived. 
Now, it had been the home where they had shared when they were married, and he had stayed in the home when her and the children moved out. And the car doesn't yield any answers as far as we know, but they do raise questions about how the car got on the block. Her family doesn't know any reason why she would have been on that street. And as far as they know, stopping on that block or possibly visiting her ex was not a part of her plans. So the car being on the block really doesn't make any sense, at least with the information that we have so far. And that little fact kind of reminds me of the Nikki McCown case from episode four. If you listen to the episode, you remember that when they found Nikki's car, it was in the parking lot of the apartment complex that her ex lived in. And of course, he wasn't considered a suspect, but that little similarity in the case kind of just stood out to me. So what about Jennifer's ex? Did he see her that day? Well, we actually really don't know. Um, While doing some research for this story, I did come across a Facebook post from a family member of Jennifer's. And her post indicates that perhaps he isn't being very helpful in the search for Jennifer. We, of course, can't verify if that's true or not. And it was just a Facebook post. um, But we don't have any more information kind of about him or how much he's been helping the police or her family and trying to figure out what happened to Jennifer. But we know that the spouse, or in this case, ex-spouse, is usually the first person of interest the cops will look at. But the cops have not named him or anyone else a person of interest. But her family has a lot of questions. They know that Jennifer would not just leave. She has young children. Her oldest daughter was preparing to graduate, and it was three days before Christmas. So whatever happened to her, Jennifer's family is 100% sure that it wasn't on her own will. And their hope is that wherever she is, she's alive and just unable to come home. In an interview that her brother gives to a local Fox News station, uh, Fox 2 in Detroit, he reveals that her relationship with her ex, let's just say, had issues. And apparently, the police were no strangers to the couple's home while they were married. Now, he did not go into a lot of detail about the incidents that led up to the police being called. And we're not sure if they were just arguments or if it was ever escalated to a physical situation. But he alleged that they had been called there before. In fact, he said that when Jennifer and her children moved out of the house, that the police had to be called that day as well. So needless to say, you know, divorce is really difficult and tensions are elevated, especially in the beginning or early months after a divorce. But based off what her brother tells the news, this divorce was probably not amicable at all. And like I said, this is an ongoing investigation. So there are so little answers coming from the police about what might have happened to Jennifer. And, like, I get it. You know, it's an ongoing investigation. But then on the other side, I kind of don't. Because we all know that when the victim is not a Black woman, the police seem to not hesitate in releasing as much information as possible. But time and time again, the public is left with little information that could help in finding a Black victim. I mean, just think about it, right? Like, think of all the headline-grabbing stories and how much information the cops will reveal about 
their their last movements of uh, you know of these victims in press conferences that they hold and they will even you know name people of interest really early on but that doesn't really seem to happen the same when the victims are black and particularly black women you know of course every police department is different and they all have different rules but that just kind of seems to be like a universal thing that happens in these kinds of cases In that same interview, however, it's revealed that her family has hired a private investigator, which to me indicates that the police are not really giving the the family the answers that they need, because why else would they feel the need to hire an outside investigator? I mean, it's one thing for the police not to tell the public to not jeopardize the investigation, but for her family to be left without answers and feeling the need to hire a private investigator, like I said, just shows me that whatever the police is telling them is not enough. And so they have decided to go and, you know, get information and answers on their own. But, you know, what the investigator finds out about Jennifer's whereabouts or last known whereabouts sends up huge red flags. Jennifer's phone was with her when she went missing. And the private investigator discovered that Jennifer's phone location shows that she was last at the home where her ex-husband lived. So according to the private investigator, Jennifer's last known whereabouts are not only on Fraser Street and River Rogue, but actually inside the home of her ex-husband and that he was the last phone conversation that she had. Now, the police will not confirm or deny any of this information. And when the local news station recently reached out to the lead detectives on the case... He would only say that this case is an open investigation, but declined to comment any further. And with police tight-lipped and no one willing to come forward, we don't really have any more information about Jennifer's disappearance. But that's why it's so important for me to tell this story. Jennifer's story is not getting the attention that it deserves. Jennifer missed Christmas, She missed her own birthday, and her oldest daughter graduated. She wouldn't just be gone from them without a reason or an explanation. Her family really needs to know what happened to her. They need answers about where she is. Her children are asking for their mom. Someone knows something. Someone saw something. So for my listeners, again... Just like I asked in episode four, I am again asking you to share this story. Jennifer's missing person flyer is posted on our Facebook page. Share it. Her family is desperate, and we can help shed a light on this case. Jennifer's story deserves to be told to as many people that will listen. Jennifer Blackman was last seen December 22nd, 2020 in River Road, Michigan. She is five foot five inches tall and weighs 130 pounds. She has hazel eyes and black hair. If you have any information about her whereabouts, please contact the River Rogue Police Department. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new story. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave us a rating and let us know what you think.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.